Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. I'm Damian Bulwa, Managing Editor of the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on Fifth and Mission, a newly energized police reform movement meets a homicide spike in Oakland. The video recorded killing of George Floyd by a Minneapolis police officer launched a new rallying cry across the nation. Defund the police. In Oakland, the response was particularly strong. City leaders committed to slash the police department's budget in half, and they created a task force to figure out how to do it. But as our Rachel Swan reports, that was before an explosion of homicides brought new tension, especially in East Oakland, where black residents are most affected by how police do their jobs for good and bad. Before I get to Rachel Swan, I want to remind our listeners to please check out our deep dive podcast miniseries into the life of VP candidate Kamala Harris. It's called Chronicled. Who is Kamala Harris? It is available wherever you get fifth and mission. Rachel Swan, thanks for joining me. Before we get into the issues around uh, reforming the police department in Oakland, I know you've been spending some time in East Oakland and have gone to some homicide scenes, and I wonder what that's been like. Um, it's really um, intense. So the last homicide scene that I went to with photographer Yoshi James, I mean, we get there, um, come up to the police line. This was a triple shooting at 84th Avenue um, between Olive and Birch Streets. And if you can just imagine, you know, we come up to the scene. First thing I see is this father or this man who identifies himself as the father of this 19 year old who's like laying in the street in tarp, you know, he's just like weeping. Um, so we see all these family members kind of waiting around in the sun for the coroner's truck to arrive. And then the pastor comes and there's kids everywhere. There's just kids in the neighborhood, kids riding their bikes. They park their bikes to see the commotion. And, um, yeah, it's just this really like, emotional scene and you get a sense of what this is like if you live in this neighborhood and it's just your reality. Yeah. So this is what's going on as, as Oakland is starting to uh, debate what to do about the police department. But, but before we get to that, I mean, how did we get here? Oakland is not a typical city. It's had a, it's had a lot of turmoil around the police department in recent years. And, and in fact, a few years ago, a lot of the, the debate, wasn't it about, was about upping uh, the police department, having more officers. Damien, this call to defund OPD, um, having it go mainstream is totally to, totally novel in a way. I mean, I covered Oakland. I first started covering Oakland for the Chronicle uh, when Lady Schaff had just taken office. She had run this campaign where like every, not only her, but everybody who ran for mayor that year, public safety was their top priority Many candidates were uh, promising to increase the number of police officers. Libby Schaff said she would fully staff up to 800. Um, I mean, Oakland had like 
a lot of police officers laid off during the recession and um, just this really razor thin force for a while and crime was really surging and there was just this huge public appetite for more police officers. And Oakland uh, is still under federal oversight, right? 17 years. 17 years. It was coming out of the Riders case. West Oakland officers accused of abusing people. They have to do, you write all these tasks to reform the way they train and, and discipline officers. And they're still under that that court oversight because they haven't finished the tasks. Exactly. Yeah, I, I believe at this point they're out of compliance with seven tasks out of 51, 52 that they started with. But I mean, it's kind of like been up and down. Like there's been these various points over the years when they were like, just about to get out from under this federal oversight. And then it's like, no, they backslide again. And, and it costs money, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, I've seen like various figures. I've seen like it's about one million a year. Um, I've seen crime blogs that are saying, oh, it's like we've spent like 30 million. Um, the city has recently told me 17 million, but it's a lot of money. It's a fair it's a fair amount of money. All right. So tell us about um, the current movement that happened after the the death of George Floyd, um, the officer uh, with his knee on George Floyd's neck. Um, what's going on? What is the task force? Bring us up to speed. So, I mean, nationally, as you know, there was just this total awakening. We've had the Black Lives Matter movement sort of burst forward at different times. And this was really one of them. But I mean, you know, this was a moment when um, the death of George Floyd was so shocking, police, like city councils and cities around the country were saying, okay, we're going to dismantle our police department. It's really time. And so you saw these task forces, I mean, actually similar things happening in various cities around the country. And what we also saw was they would, you know, have a little bit of momentum and then kind of sputter out. So Oakland said it was going to be different because, you know, they said we have this big process. We have just a lot of appetite for this in Oakland. There's just this real fervor. But it's turned out to be a lot more complicated. And some people are worried that Oakland's efforts to defund will unravel as well. And what what is the plan and what's the time frame? So Oakland set forward this really, really ambitious goal where they said, we are going to cut our police budget in half. That would be about $150 million. They haven't explicitly put that number to it. They just said, we're going to cut the police budget in half, and we're just going to figure out how to get there. We've appointed 17 people, and we're going to have draft recommendations originally by December, now they've extended it to January, and we're going to present it to the council in April, Next budget cycle, you're going to have a very different police department. Yeah, and to be clear, around the country, there's different ideas of what defunding the police means, right? I mean, in some cases, it might be handing over writing traffic tickets to to unarmed personnel. In other places, it might be really um, stripping down the police force and putting more into prevention um, and nonprofits and things. So it they have to figure out what it is, right? Yeah. And it seems like philosophically, people are really kind of coalescing around a lot of these ideas. I mean, there is a lot of support for, you know, we would like to 
uh, see a, a different kind of professionals handling mental health emergencies or going into homeless encampments and all these things that police have had to do um, because there's you know, really, we've gutted all these other social services that may have done it at one point in time. Um, the police chief has actually really supported that. She's like, yeah, you know, we don't want to do that either. We want to be on violent crime. Um, but the sticking point is this thing where they haven't like, you know, they have this very, very loose vision, but the only thing that's concrete is we want to cut this amount of money, which is really translating into we're going to cut the labor force by this much. And that's where everyone is just, it turns out, not agreeing. Got it. Okay. Let's get into the sort of tensions that have come out of this this movement and this task force. After this, going to take a quick break. We'll be right back on Fifth Admission. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back to Fifth Admission. I'm Damian Bulwa. I'm joined by reporter Rachel Swan. We are talking about the tension in Oakland as defund the police movement runs into a spike in homicides. So, Rachel, what is going on with the homicides? Oakland had had so much progress in recent years in cutting down violence. And all of a sudden there's been a real burst, right? What's going on? Well, the police chief, I mean, there's a lot of theories that this is related to COVID and the police chief has really, you know, pressed this theory that uh, COVID and just the general economic distress that it has created has um, led to this spike in gun violence. We know that a lot of people, more people are either purchasing or acquiring guns. Um, we know that a lot of guns are winding up in this one section of the city in East Oakland. Um, so there seems to be just this really volatile brew. Um, I would add to that, I mean, I, I don't think enough is said about this, but um, a lot of people involved in these homicides are very young. Um, so these are people who are not in school, do not have access to after school programs or community centers or, you know, the sports programs that brought kind of more structure and stability to their lives. Um, uh, could a lot of people say that is in part contributing to this burst of violence? So we are seeing with COVID, we saw a huge rise in homicides. I mean, almost like to the degree that Oakland was seeing in the 80s and 90s. So how ha how has that burst of violence played out in the discussion over reform? Well, it's become very, very tense, Damien, because what's happening is it really is concentrated in one part of the city, which also happens to be the area that suffers from the most poverty, where where it is like mostly black and Latino residents. Um, it's people who are actually at the highest risk of, you know, negative interactions with the police. Um, Stops, use of force, searches, things like that. Yes, yes. It's, it's really, so this area that ostensibly should be um, protected by the defund movement is actually at the same time 
suffering the most violent crime, um, generates the most 911 calls. And a lot of residents there feel like when they have an emergency, they can't get an officer to come. Yeah. So, so this is this is sort of playing out in the discussion among uh, among people on this task force. Um, to, to a wild degree. So last night I watched the task force meeting and the conversation for two hours was very much steered by the task force members who live in deep East Oakland who are most affected. And they were saying we need more. They were saying the opposite of what the goal of the task force is. They were saying the um, we need <laughs> we need more officers and we want a redistribution so that you bring more officers into our neighborhoods and maybe take them out of other neighborhoods. This was not what the task force was intended to. It was a kind of moment where you almost felt like you'd like rocked into the wrong movie set, you know, like I thought this was going to be a sitcom and it's The Godfather. Um, it just was very bizarre. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it it brings up the larger point, right? Which is which is something that perhaps um, this country hasn't been able to bridge yet, which is that we need, um, to some degree, crime solving in some fashion, and we also need police that are fair and don't um, use excessive force and don't go to their weapons too too quickly and and don't racially profile. Um, so, for some people, the idea of somehow having both is 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 still. Uh, still feels like a huge challenge. Yeah, and I mean, I guess I guess part of what it boils down to is do we want fewer police or do we just want or do we want police to make less money or do we just want better police? Do we want more consistent police? You know, and one of the tensions that I am seeing or or that I am hearing in my reporting is that, you know, everybody wants better police. Everybody wants better community policing. Everybody wants police officers who get out of their car. But to get that, we may actually need more police and we may need to spend more on police and we may need to spend more training police. And that in some ways is at cross purposes with the defund movement. Wow. Got it. All right. So how does Oakland, how does Oakland compare with other cities? I mean, famously, Minneapolis has had some Tension as well, trying to uh, trying to make reforms. I mean, is, is Oakland unusual in this? Um, so I mean, Oakland is ha- has its own unique set of complications, I guess we could say. Um, but in some ways, some problems are similar, right? Because what we saw in Minneapolis was the political wind shifted, and there no longer was you know, the level of support by the end of the summer for this ambitious thing that they said they were going to do at the beginning of summer. And Oakland, some of that is also happening. I mean, the Chamber of Commerce does this poll every year, and this year they polled public safety. And it showed that it was really interesting to look at the results because it showed that, well, A, a lot of people support having still support having more officers, you know, not reducing the police. But it also showed that um, black residents in Oakland are more likely than white residents to support increasing the police force. And the support for more police, or at least maintaining the police, um, builds as you go deeper into East Oakland, into these very high impacted areas. Well, yeah, it's such a good lesson not to make assumptions about people when you 
take on such a, a serious task. Um, where does the mayor fall in all this? What is what has she been saying? So the mayor, as I love to write, you know, really initially campaigned on having more officers and um, more public safety. And um, while she's been a little more kind of measured about that lately, I mean, she's still been pretty consistent. She did not support um, deep cuts to the police budget in this budget cycle. She said she supports the task force. She is very skeptical of the 50% goal. But what she said to me, which I thought was interesting, was she said, I think this is a very good exercise. I think, you know, there is value in them seeing what it would take to get there and looking at the impacts and decide what is worth cutting. Yeah. Well, she's also not been able to herself get us out of the the court supervision, uh, as you say, 17 years. That's true. Yes. (laughs) So last question. I mean, what's what's next? Um, Where does this go? Who who has the power to decide? What do you expect to see uh, into early next year? Well, you know, I I think a lot of people are getting a little less optimistic about this whole vision as the task force keeps moving. Um, it's been two months. They've had four meetings. They haven't really made any progress toward their goal. Um, it's still not clear what they might cut in Oakland police budget. There's a lot of arguing amongst task force members. They've also set up these advisory boards to help the task force, which for one reason or another, um, while the task force is extremely diverse, the advisory boards wound up being very white. (laughs) These were not, um, the task force was appointed, the advisory boards were people who just happened to be interested who applied. That created problems. There's been a lot of tension as building as we move along with the task force, but maybe they'll be able to resolve it. Yeah, no, it sounds like a minefield. Uh, Rachel Swan, thank you so much. It's a really interesting story. If people want to read it, it's at sfchronicle.com. Thanks for joining me again. Thank you so much, Damien. Thanks to my guest today, Chronicle staff writer Rachel Swan. A reminder to our listeners... Please check out Chronicled Who is Kamala Harris. That's the six-part podcast miniseries that takes a deep dive into the life of the VP nominee. It's available wherever you find Fifth and Mission. Uh, Thanks also to our producer for this episode, Taya Francesca Price. And thank you for listening.